2: Hi, everybody. This is Geraldo Rivera reporting Roadkill, my political podcast, the view of a moderate from the middle of the road and the view from here of uh, President uh, Joe Biden and his in his turn office looking pretty, pretty grim. He was a president that had a wonderful honeymoon. Everybody uh, loved getting that free money from the stimulus checks. The vaccine was uh, finally getting spread out. The country looked like it was on uh, on an even keel spending money hand over fist. But no one seemed to object, at least no one that wasn't a Republican in Congress. Uh, but now you have uh, Biden with that chaotic re- withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, with uh, uh, you know some of the other missteps, how he behaved when the Gold Star families and he uh, were all at Dover Air Force Base for the dignified transfer, uh, it was uh, him checking his watch and so forth. It, uh, uh, the The bloom is off the Biden rose. He is roadkill. Roadkill with Geraldo Rivera. It's Friday, September the 3rd. I'm delighted to be home. It was not easy to get home. I was uh, doing the the Five, the big hit Fox News program that airs live at 5 o'clock Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I was desperate to get home. It's very difficult. Now, there are no flights. It is extraordinary to me that in a city with a storied past, like Cleveland, uh, with aspirations for the future, that there's like two flights to New York a day. It is appalling to me. So anyway, I booked a flight from New York Wednesday night to Washington, D.C., and from Washington, D.C. to Cleveland, because Washington, D.C. still has the evening flight uh, to Cleveland. So, obviously, you know what was happening Wednesday night. Wednesday night was a biblical storm all up and down the East Coast, the remnants of Hurricane Ida. So you could draw the line, really, from Louisiana straight into New York and New England, uh, including uh, Philadelphia and and, and Virons. It was crazy in New York Wednesday night. So all the flights were canceled. So I reluctantly stayed an extra night, Wednesday night. I had no choice. I mean I looked my window looked out on Fifth Avenue. Fifth Avenue was a river. You could see one or two vehicles all the way from say fifty fifth street where I was kind of on a hill, looking down past the New York Public Library, all the way, you know, into the distance down Washington Square Park. It was all water. There was water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink. It was nuts. So they canceled the flights on Wednesday night. So I cleverly booked the first flight out yesterday morning, Thursday morning. So I set my alarm for five 15. Make a long story short. Somehow I never heard the alarm. I woke up at seven o'clock. So the sun was shining. Fifth Avenue was miraculously dry, relatively speaking. I had the Weather Channel on, and they were talking about all the horrors. And I'll get into what happened in New York as a result of Hurricane Ida, uh, but I thought it would be uh, great. So, uh, but I anyway. So I missed that flight. It turns out that flight was also canceled. So it's a good thing I missed it. Uh, they finally got out uh, in the middle of the afternoon yesterday. But the news now is cumulating, uh, accumulating all of the the body count for the storm now they're up to 61 people died uh, many of the people who died in the borough of queens for example were in these little uh illegal basement apartments i've lived in one most people that move to new york ultimately find their some, themselves living in one of these illegal basement apartments with only one exit the street exit uh, the problem is that it's below the level of the street. So if the street's a river, all that river pours into your window. Eleven people would drown in their basement apartments in Queens. There was a total of 61 dead. And you see the sports stadiums uh, with a foot of water in them uh, still. Uh, the devastation is just now being accumulated. And the most in- the most incredible thing about it, and this is why it was so remarkable, is usually – Severe weather is something that happens someplace else. Like I live now in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, you know, the severe weather you get, generally speaking, here is winter, uh, you know, and you get a, an occasional winter storm. But we don't get earthquakes here. You don't get uh, uh, tornadoes here, generally speaking. They don't come this far uh, east. Uh, we, we don't get the kind of flooding that New York, if you saw the news clips, I mean, it's worse than that water was pouring into the subways water was pouring into the subways when the subway train uh, w- were running you could see them running basically through waterfalls uh and so many died in their cars uh, because they drove you know into what they thought was minor puddles turned into you know uh, big ditches or or creeks uh you know many were drowned many heroic rescues the first responders were doing a, a magnificent job but but my point is what we did not expect was here is in New York where everything is paved where uh, you know generally speaking as in Cleveland there are not huge weather stories uh, you know and i was watching as i said the uh, news New York One—that's the local cable news that runs the, the cable system. Spectrum runs it, so it runs all the time. And the Weather Channel, and the people on those two—the Weather Channel and, and New York One—were absolutely hysterical. Oh my God! Get to high ground. This is serious. We've never seen this. This is—you know—this is something that happens in Tennessee or it happens in Kansas. It doesn't happen in New York City. Uh, get to higher ground you save yourselves don't drive your cars uh you know hunker down and and the language was so uh hyperbolic it really was i mean it was so urgent so impassioned from people you know usually the weather guys uh or la- ladies and men are uh you know g- kind of measured uh, they have little quirky things that you like about them that's why you watch them what what you don't expect is for these you know, kind of meteorolo- meteorological nerds to be, oh, my God, this is horrible. It was, it, was, it was alarming, and I thought how unprofessional of the broadcasters until I, the, the video and the live shots started coming in showing, you know, familiar things like your street side restaurants that were set up for, uh, for COVID. The outdoor seating being swept away as if it was, you know, a a raging river, not, uh, you know, 55th Street. So I got home eventually. It was really very, uh, you know, it was frustrating, but I was so lucky compared to all these poor people, particularly and having gone through that phase myself. Uh, where you, you're, you're so broke apartments and the, there's barely light that trickles in. You look up at the subway, looking up, I mean, not the subway, you look up at the sidewalk. Imagine looking up at the sidewalk and seeing water cascading, giant water just pouring into your house with no place to hide, no back door, and the front door is underwater. I mean, it was uh, it's just horrible to think of that uh, that all happening. And I have no idea with all the COVID, uh, you know, restrictions and the protocols and everything else, uh, how they reestablish all that stuff. I mean, New York is broke, broke up right now. And uh, it's uh, it was quite it was quite an experience. And I, I, my brother, Craig, who was my producer on The Five, he left uh, Cordelia, his wife, had her birthday on Wednesday night. They were celebrating at a jazz club. They left early because of the storm. They got from Manhattan into New Jersey, and they got on Route 3, a very ma- major thoroughfare there, and they couldn't go any further. There they were cars floating on Route 3, so they had to – my brother lives in nearby Verona, New Jersey. I mean, it's like a stone's throw from New York. They had to stop, get out of their car for fear that the car would be swept away, and they stayed in one of those uh, you know, nickel-dime hotels on Route 3, commercial hotels that – you know uh, traveling salesmen stay in before they go to the big apple uh, so they they were marooned they had to spend the night in a in a motel but 61 people dying in a place that is so developed it was really it was really crazy i what? didn't i didn't need to speak so much about it i just want you to know that this was in my view this was worse than hurricane sandy in terms of I, maybe it won't be as expensive as hurricane sandy because hurricane sandy after all it filled up all the tunnels that had to be pumped out and, uh, you know, did a lot of damage to infrastructure and so forth. But it just seemed to me that more people were, were uh, adversely affected and the death count, 61 people dead from, from rain. I mean, it was raining, the, the rain totals, they it, it, it could not, I, walking from the 5 to my car on 6th Avenue was like, it wasn't like walking in the shower, it was like walking in a fire hose. Uh, the The raindrops were like, uh, you know, two inches thick, and the rain was falling at a rate of, uh, I think it was three inches per hour. Central Park, you know, that beautiful fountain, Bethesda Fountain, in the middle of Central Park by the pond, everything was the water level was so high that Bethesda is at at the bottom of this big courtyard. You walk down these very stately uh, stairwell to get to the the level where the fountain is and you go the next level is the lake everything was flooded up to the stairs the Bethesda fountain was uh, flooded up to the statue in the middle uh, you know it was just uh, what I'm trying to convey to you is that the city was really really staggered the next day Sun came out and uh, you know there was a lot of pumping and and, and repairing and replacing uh, but the the sunshine gave you a full sense of – anyway, I got, well, I got out, I came home.
1: Harold, I would imagine it would be almost like having a blizzard in South Beach or an earthquake in Boston. The, the city just wasn't prepared for it. Was it
2: was not psychologically, uh, was not physically infrastructure, prepared.
1: Yeah. Well, and uh, speaking of not being prepared, too, I, I was reading a lot of stuff about you know New York never having a flash flood warning, never having anything never. like this. We've
2: never had a flash flood well, warning ever my entire do, life, not not even one – Last flood warning ever. Well, and because except Wednesday night.
1: Well, but because of that, though, there's not too many homeowners insurance policies or, or just building insurance policies that have flood insurance written in. Good so point. You know, I, I you know, we talk about the human cost, and you also talk about how New York hasn't exactly had the easiest year and a half. Can you so, imagine? Yeah, I mean, it, it, they got another you know big mountain to climb. So I, New Yorkers are used to doing it. I just wish they didn't have to do it all that often.
2: You know, speaking of a hill to climb. Uh, President Joe Biden, who has been on a tremendous honeymoon for the last uh, six, eight months, uh, he has, you know, uh, been walking on water. I hate to use that, uh, that uh, metaphor, but uh, he's been uh, unscathed uh, by anything uh, up until now. You know, he's, it, it's been Uncle Joe. He's been giving out that free money, he's been giving out uh, the extended unemployment checks, uh, stimulus checks, I mean the vaccines have uh, started taking hold despite all the uh, the problems with holdouts Uh, but uh, so here you've had Uncle Joe really skating passing all of these uh, you know very generous uh, federal laws or handouts people getting checks that never expected so he was soaring he was his popularity was in the 50s throughout the first uh, eight months of his of his presidency suddenly now, after Afghanistan, the horror of Afghanistan and that uh, that uh, chaotic withdrawal, to put it kindly, uh, and and then of course the 13 Marines uh, or 13 service members being killed in the in the last uh, frantic days of the evacuation of Kabul, uh, his popularity now. The poll just came out for Maris. Uh, PBS, you know, a very liberal poll generally, has Biden down 51 percent disapprove, 43 percent approve. So now he has numbers very similar to uh, President Trump's numbers. Uh, You know, President Trump had a, you could argue, a successful presidency despite being in the mid to low 40s in terms of his approval rating. Now Biden will see if he can similarly uh, be an effective president. Uh, now that he's getting, uh, you know, really rocked, uh, the, uh, the withdrawal leaving such a bad taste in people's minds, uh, you know, just watching it all. And, you know, the worst thing of all, the worst thing, I spoke about it on Fox and Friends this morning, the worst thing was when the bodies came home for the dignified transfer where they, the, the combat command hands them over to, uh, you know, the people in charge of the military cemeteries and so forth. It was a disaster for Joe Biden. If you saw, there was Joe, and I like him. I, You know, I, I not that I, I know him. I don't know him, uh, but he I, I like him. He seems like a nice person. Uh, he seems like a patriot and all the rest of it. But he's looking at his watch the whole time uh, during this uh, the solemn, dignified transfer, the solemn uh, ceremony. He's looking at his watch. Every time uh, one of the GIs got taken off, the uh, one of the bodies was removed from the military transport, uh, he looked. It's almost like he was timing each incident. Uh, like he had an appointment, he had some urgent place he had to be. And when you do that kind of stuff in front of gold star families that just lost their, their baby sons and daughters in, uh, in this horrible explosion, you know, many of them, uh, you know, barely, uh, barely born, uh, when nine 11 happened in 2001, you know, 19 year old 18 year olds lots of 20 year olds. It was just just terrible Uh, You know, so he's he's been rocked by the chaotic withdrawal by the death of the Marines uh, and and the Navy corpsmen from Ohio and uh, uh, the the staff sergeant from the army uh, rounding out all three giving credit to all our services and we love them and the one thing you can't do is is not pay attention to them during that moment where it's barely a week since they've been informed that their beloved 20-year-old has perished. Uh and you can't be looking at your watch or or even talking about your own son's uh cancer death uh when these people have such raw emotions where they you know come coming to grips with life without their their beloved child. That's uh anyway, Biden Biden's at 43% now. And the jobs report that came out today kind of sucked also. Uh we expected uh you know, three quarters of a million uh, jobs added. It was it was barely one quarter of a million jobs added. So, uh, Biden's in for a rough uh, rough patch right now. I, I fear. The one story I have not spoken about on television. It's funny. I don't think Fox likes doing stories about abortion. Abortion is so uh, just icky. You know, nobody wants to talk about it, whether you're for it or for the woman's or woman's right to choose or against abortion. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Uh, it is something that is, makes people deeply uncomfortable. So, of course, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, th- this law in Texas, and, and I believe that it will be soon replicated in Ohio because they've already tried the fetal heartbeat laws here in Ohio. I believe that half the states in the union, all the red states, will follow the lead of Texas and pass what is the nation's most restrictive anti-abortion law. Uh, it, it not only bans abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, it allows private citizens, with no connection at all to the pregnant woman, it allows those private citizens to bring lawsuits against Whoever helps that woman get an abortion, maybe even after the woman herself or her mom who drives her to the clinic or whatever it is, allows perfect strangers to sue, to bring a lawsuit against the woman getting the abortion or anyone who helps her, and they will be rewarded if they succeed, if they prove their case, with with $10,000, at least $10,000 a bounty. A bounty for suing women who get abortions. You know, I, I don't think you have to be like a, a raving liberal person to see what an infringement on that woman's constitutional rights, what an infringement that is. I mean, for a perfect stranger to be able to sue someone, uh, maybe your daughter, your sister, because she, she got an abortion, what is it their business? You know, isn't it? What about privacy? What about a woman's, you know, right to control her own body? At least, at, you know, under Roe v. Wade right now. I'm, I'm not going to talk about this much because I, I, it's, it's early and it's distressing. But this is distressing because the, the Supreme Court, as currently constituted with the three members that were selected by Donald Trump, the conservative majority is at least five to four, as it was in, in these Texas cases. By five to four, they decided not to halt implementation of the new Texas law until they litigated it. That's what they usually do in these you know, bombshell cases. They say, OK, maybe there's something there, but we're not going to allow the law to be implemented until the argument on constitutionality and so forth are made. So that's the prudent way to do it. You stop it. All right, we we see Texas, you have this law, we're going to stop it until we litigate it. Now we're going to argue whether or not it's constitutional. What are the implications for Roe v. Wade with this new Texas law that uh bans abortion after 6 weeks. Uh it's it's such a big change that usually the court would say, "Okay, we'll will you know, uh Enjoin the law will it will stop the law from being implemented until its we decide whether or not the law is appropriate whether or not the law can stand the test of constitutionality but not in this case in this case the five conservative justices including the three selected by Donald Trump said go ahead Texas you're on so Texas right now there's no abortions going on in Texas so this is like the biggest day for the anti-abortion crowd ever, basically. Well, since Roe v. Wade, since 1973, it's, it's a monumental thing that's happening here. It is monumental what's going on.
1: I, I got a question here. Um, so, and, and I read about this law. There is no exception for rape or incest. So. What Texas is saying that a 15-year-old girl who gets, you know, bad things happen and she has to have a baby, she cannot get an abortion, but that same 15-year-old girl doesn't have to put on a mask because it's too evasive?
2: Yeah. It's, uh, okay, just— It's very, very okay. inconsistent. And anyway, what business is it of yours, what this 15-year-old— It's between her and her family. It's not your business. I I hate snitches. That's what this law is. It's a snitch law. If you want to snitch on someone getting an abortion and you, maybe you get $10,000 out of it, I mean, come on, folks. Is, is that where we want to go now? And see, I think Biden is in trouble. I think Biden, clearly the, the luster is off the, the, the gold here. Uh, President Biden is, is going to struggle now. I think all of his big legislation will be tied up now that he's a 43% approval president. I think that these are going to be rough times for Joe Biden, except that if something like this happens, Erica and I were in Washington, D.C. the day after Donald Trump was inaugurated. There were tens of thousands of women wearing pink hats. Remember those pink hats? I I won't remind you what they were called. There were demonstrations in Washington, D.C. was huge and in every major city in the country and in many cities overseas uh, because the fear was that Donald Trump would become president. He would appoint conservative justices. Roe v. Wade, the, uh, the seminal case that allowed a woman to have constitutionally the right to have her own body controlled, at least until the, the unborn child was viable, usually about six months. Five, six months. Right? And that now they're making it six weeks. I mean, it's just it's nuts. It is nuts. And, and you're going you're gonna to see it's going to add to the division in the country. It's going to motivate people who are not uh, ordinarily activists to become activists. Uh, there's going to be a real divide between people. Listen, working at Fox News for 20 years now, it'll be 20 years in December that I've been at Fox, in November, I mean, 20 years I've been there. 20 years since 9-11. This, this, I, I have had an awakening in, in terms of my thinking. I've had, uh, uh, you know, watching as many conservative speakers as I have of all different stripes, all different ages, and watching them make their arguments for their point of view, which very often was different than my point of view, I've come to respect them. I really have come to hold them in high regard. For instance, I have no scorn for people that are anti-abortion. I understand the sincerity of people, many of them driven by their religion, to oppose abortion. Many people believe, like half the country, that life starts at conception. You know, I don't I don't know about any of that, but I know that I respect people who are opposed to abortion. I respect people who are in favor of a woman's right to choose. Also, I think that the, each group has nuts, nut jobs, but each group is generally speaking made up of sincere people motivated by the, the best intentions. Some are say that uh, life is precious and you can't interfere with that process. Others say, that baby is growing inside a woman who can decide for herself whether or not she wants to carry the child to term. But this law introduces a whole new nasty aspect. When you allow a perfect stranger to bring a lawsuit, and some of them, there'll be massive lawsuits, some of them will be bankrolled by big groups that are opposed to abortion. And they'll, they'll find people to snitch out, other people. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be a horrible, divisive mess. And the Supreme Court ultimately will have to adjudicate it whether they want to or not. And they, they're going to have to decide whether or not constitutionally that is appropriate to allow a stranger to sue a young woman trying to you know, save her life as she sees it even as she takes a life as the other side sees it. But I I think that to allow snitches and strangers to get involved in that sacred process is disgusting. It really is so lowbrow. It is so offensive to me that I, I cannot believe as a lawyer that it will stand the test of constitutionality. I'm extremely distressed by it. And the court, I say to them, shame on you for abandoning your responsibility. However, if you're going to overthrow Roe v. Wade, then at least have the guts to do it straight up. Not this this sleazy, backhanded way. Uh, Kevin in Cleveland, something on, a, on abortion before we bring Eric in. What's, uh, what's in your mind, Kevin? Yeah, I, I think you may be mistaken as far as the fine. Uh, it, the fine it, it isn't the, the patient. The fine goes to the doctor, which uh, is a lot. You mean different. who pays the fine? Yeah, when they sue, they're actually uh, ratting on the doctor, not the patient. Oh, oh, no, it's not just the doctor. It's anyone who aids or abets. In other words, the mom driving the girl to the abortion clinic, uh, even if it's in a state where it's legal, going from Texas, they could bring the lawsuit in Texas. I think it's horrible, but I think, uh, Kevin, I appreciate it. So what do you you think? I I, I mean—
0: I disrespect it and I don't like it and I'm fired up and I'm it's emotional for me and I mean are we pretending that Texas or that uh, abortion people that who are pro-life actually care about the unborn if they cared about the unborn they would be trying to fix the foster care system in Texas they would be trying to fix education they would be talking about the life of the of the child once it's born. I mean, you're basically sending girls, young girls to be married. Girls who've been raped, girls who've had incest, girls who are forced to have babies who can't afford babies. What are they supposed to do now? And it's about minorities. It's about it's about people who don't, cannot afford, uh, ha- uh, child care of someone to babysit their children so that they can drive to New York to get an abortion one in three women were having an abortion before Roe v Wade and one in three women are having abortions now and they will even if you outlaw them so you're basically sending women to their deaths and it's it's what are we living in? this is the handmaid's tale it, it's like we're living in Gilead and it's outrageous that this is happening
2: Generally speaking, I think that uh, Joe Biden will will do uh, a a good job, a suitable job in terms of opposing what's happening in Texas. But what do you think of the president's fading popularity now? Just 43 percent of Americans approve of his uh, of his presidency. He's got numbers very similar to Donald Trump's. Uh, The is the uh, the bloom off the Biden rose. The I know you love the president. uh, you want it to succeed but it looks like he's he's fading
0: I do love him and I do think that he's a very empathetic person who has had a lot of tragedy in his own life and I think it's unfortunate that he checked his watch it's really terrible and disgraceful that if he did I don't know if he did it 13 times or if that's like a Fox loop that's been made on I don't know if that's for real but
2: you read it I mean, in the Washington did, Post. Don't well, put did, down Fox. I
0: read that in the Washington Post that he checked his watch 13 times. I read that he checked it once. I don't know if he checked it, but that's that's awful. But I don't know if it's true. But I haven't seen the video. But I'm going I have, the and it's true. Benefit of the doubt. I don't know why he did that, but I'm. Sh- I don't know. But I think that getting out of war, we were. He was the. He got us out of this war that Republicans and Democrats wanted him to get out of. And he is the president. He was not the military guy making the calls uh, about who would stay at the airport that day. He didn't.
2: Uh, He made uh, he made enough of the calls. He screwed up. He screwed up royally by evacuating the troops before he evacuated the civilians. The
0: The general made the call. Whoever was there at he's commander
2: in chief. The The buck stops there. That's what Harry Truman said, and it's and it's true. So, how about uh, New York and be.
0: Afghanistan
2: I am and I, I swore I, I swore years ago I swore in 2012 that I would never go back there and I'm glad I I did and I'm glad I don't have to uh, rain New York crazy
0: crazy crazy I've had a few of those basement apartments with small windows and I just can't believe in that where so many people live so many how you know it's it's New Jersey is stacked with so many people living there, and it's crazy to think that, that so many people died.
2: 61, 61. That's, that's the, uh, there's a picture on the cover of the New York Times. So there's the basement apartment. They, you see the high windows. You look up at the street. Just imagine looking up at the streets. And, and we all had these apartments. That's why I I'm, I'm keep bringing it up. Imagine a, a torrent of water pouring through, and there's no back door. There's no way out. It's just like in, the, in Katrina when they died. They died in the attics. Because they were trapped in the attics and there was no no way to get through the roof. So they drowned in their own attics.
0: This is extreme weather and we need to believe in climate change and to believe in and to pass the infrastructure bill. I'm looking at you, Joan Manchin and Kristen Cinema. We need this infrastructure bill to, and we need the money to build roads and that's bridges. That's not an
2: infrastructure bill. Yes, it Th- is. That's another giveaway bill.
0: No, it's not. It's to build these bridges and roads and to that's fix the That's the first one. That's, and that's
2: the one trillion. Even the science that's and the climate That's the one change. trillion. The $3.5 trillion is uh, for free. College and so forth. I mean, good ideas, but can we can we afford them? So I'm glad to be home. I love you. So
0: happy you're home. I love you too.
2: So uh, Rosh Hashanah Monday Monday and Labor Day. So is that that can't happen very often that Rosh Hashanah and Labor Day are on the same day?
0: Yeah, it's super early this year. Uh, Who's coming? My mom and Jerry and my brother is coming in with his wife and two kids. One, his oldest is at college, so we'll get two of them. I'm so excited to be with everybody. Wonderful. Happy New
2: Year! Happy New Year, everybody! We'll see you not on Monday, Rob. You're gonna, uh, you'll have the reins, yes, sir. So uh, ride this steed uh, appropriately. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll try not
1: up. to crash it into the side of the road. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll do what we can. <laughs>
2: Uh, and we'll see you, everybody, on Tuesday. We'll see you Tuesday. Happy Labor Day. One last word of, uh, of compassion for those who have suffered so grievously from these extraordinary weather events, uh, particularly the one that's most personal to us is what happened in New York and the metropolitan area, 61 people dying uh, from these extraordinary floods on Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Uh, we... They're in our thoughts and prayers. I know it's a cliche, but it's true uh, in this case. And really, uh, I don't know about climate change. I'm sure that somebody smarter than I uh, will figure it out. Uh, But uh, that was an awful lot of water. The most ever. 500 years. I'm Geraldo Rivera reporting Roadkill. Roadkill with Geraldo Rivera.